two, one. Let's go. It's time to dad up. Welcome to the Dad Up Podcast. The podcast for dads about dads being dads. Get ready for exciting guests talking about their experiences of parenting, the good and the not so good. Bang that subscribe button so you don't miss a single episode. And let's get started. Here is your host, Brian Ward. Welcome to another episode of Dad Up, everyone. Thank you very much for joining me today. I'm super excited for the guest that I have on. He's become a really good friend of mine. And I'm, di- I'm dying to get into uh, just kind of his backstory because he has such a fascinating story. And then obviously, you know, this is a podcast about kids. So I'm dying to hear about his kids as well. My good friend, Eric Allen has joined me. Welcome to the show, brother. Thank you so much. Really, truly an honor to be here, Brian. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Well, thank you, man. I, I appreciate you and appreciate all the things that you're doing. Um, for my listeners who may not know who you are, let's go through a backstory. Let me give me the backstory of Eric Allen and uh, let my listeners know who you are, what you're up to. And then obviously this is a podcast about your family, about kids. So yeah, uh, a little bit about your family as well. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, I grew up in the typical household, you know, uh, is what I thought. And then my parents got divorced when I was 11. My mom immediately got together with a guy who was very physically abusive. I actually had to fight him off her with a cast iron pan when I was 13 years old. Yeah. Lots of blood kicked out of the house at a freshman year and then basically lived on my own from then on. And it set me on this path of destruction for 10 years. I was 18 years old, got arrested for having a bong, had to go to jail, black and white chain gang outfit on, woke up to note two weeks after graduate high school. It said, Hey, you can't comply with South rule or you can't comply with house rules. You have 48 hours to get out. So I moved 21 times between 18 and 21 years old, living off of credit cards, making a move to Seattle, by the time I'm 21, I'm $28,000 in debt and had to file bankruptcy and uh, then got a job in the music business. Always a dream to get in the music business, but it was very bad for my addictions. Mm. So I was living that rock star lifestyle for about two years. I went to about 175 concerts and, and didn't pay for a single drink ever. Uh, but it was this rock star lifestyle just being uh, like sales and marketing guy. I don't know how to play anything but got laid off my one year anniversary of being there. This was during the Napster days back in the day, if people remember that. And then it kind of set me into more depression until one day what this girl walked into Starbucks where I was working and invited me to a church event. And I was like, Hmm. you know, I was depressed. I was alone, didn't have any friends. And she was really good looking. Absolutely. What time do I need to be there? You know, that, that was my thought process, you know? And so I went to this church event and I ended up knowing all these guys like from three, five years ago. And I was like, man, I've really? seen right. It was like, it was weird. Cause I was living on the other side of the state where I grew up. And it was like, man, I remember you from college. Or I remember you from high school. Like, what are you doing up here? And it was like a month later, it was Easter 2004. I was managing a band. We went out and played a concert the night before Easter. And I wake up Easter morning surrounded by probably 15 guys. And in that moment, I felt God say, you are going down this path that's going to end your life very quickly if you don't start making some changes. And so I decided in that moment to give my life to Christ right there in my buddy's basement. And I quit cold turkey, drugs, drinking cigarettes, everything in that moment. And I called that girl up and I got her voice. And I said, hey, thanks for inviting me to that church event. Maybe I'll see you at the store sometime. And now she's my wife 17 years later. And oh. uh, man, it was a, she was the angel that came to really pull me out of that rut, I think. And you know, now, of course, I've got two awesome podcasts. The Eric Allen Show drops every Friday and the Top of May Show drops every Saturday. And I talk with entrepreneurs, world changers, and success-minded people on the Eric Allen Show and talk, talk with up-and-coming MMA fighters from uh, around the world on the Top of May Show. Wow. 
Okay. So, um, how many kids you have? You have two, two kids, right? Yep. 11 and eight. Okay. All right. Very cool. Now we got to back up. Cause, yeah. Okay. So you're living a rock star. Li- I, I got to ask, is it, yeah. is it the ZZ top look that you were going for with the beard? <laughs> so funny. Yeah. I, so I used to just grow the beard out for one month out of the year. It wasn't during like November or whatever they call it. It was just one month out of the year. I would grow it out and then I'd shave it off. And then when my daughter was like three or four years old, I shaved it off. And I just remember her saying, I missed the beard. And I was like, all right, oh, well, really? she's saying she missed the beard. I'm not shaving the beard off anymore. And so I kind of, ch- I been growing it out since and I will trim it up. Uh, this is a pretty long, uh, typically I keep it just uh, maybe an inch or two shorter, but I think it's more falling into the duck dynasty crowd than it is this easy time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I can see that too. I can see that too. That's cool. Yeah. Um, well, I, well, I, it's a, it's a great look and I, Thank I, you. I, I don't know what you'd look like without one, but, uh, I mean, obviously your, your, your daughter approves. So uh, I yes. guess that's all that matters. <laughs> right. Yep. But she's 11 now. So, you know, and, and it just is still here. And we've talked about it like, Hey, do you, you want me to shave the beard? Nope. I like the beard. And my wife, she's like, Oh, okay. You know, right. <laughs> so. Okay. So cool. So, I mean, you, you get kicked out of the house, you end up in jail. I, I mean, I know you talk about um, this, this kind of getting invited to this church event, obviously. Um, yeah. Do you think that was the start of, uh, you know, God speaking to you? Do you think uh, it was meeting your wife? Do you think it was uh, just kind of God speaking to your heart in the trouble? I mean, do you think maybe it was all those things that really drove you to change the, the path that you were going? Yeah, it was definitely a combination of, I mean, one, my wife, I'd seen her in my Starbucks store before uh, she'd come in. She does not drink coffee. She would come in and just do homework. And and I was too shy mm. to talk to her except for to, you know, take her order. And that was it. Uh, but she had invited me to that church event. And I think God was really planting that seed in me in that moment and starting to tug on my, my heart because I was really at a low point where, you know, here I was depressed. I was living in this really ghetto apartment. I'd get off work at Starbucks, go get a six pack of beer, go to Hollywood video and rent a movie and go drink myself to sleep every night. It was my daily routine. I didn't really have any close friends. I lived in, I mean, I'm talking like really ghetto apartment and it was crazy. The police would come there every other day, but it was all I could afford. You know, I had this car that, you know, when I filed bankruptcy, my Acura Integra got towed away. You know, I had to watch it go away. So I was at this really low point. And I think God sent her into my life in that moment to really start to make me think, man, I need to make some changes or I'm like, I just accepted life as it was. I didn't have any goals or anything like that. And the cool thing is, and I think God does this, this really cool thing is he brings people into your life that are really meant to be there. My wife and I, we were actually both born at exactly the same minute, 1.41 PM, different days, different years, but the exact same minute on our birthday. Really? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I guess that's a sign right there. I right. Mean, yeah. <laughs> that's, 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 that's crazy. That's awesome. Um, well, very cool. Now, now I know you had talked about, you'd woke up, you said 15 guys around you. What did you mean by yeah. that? I mean, uh, paint that picture a little bit more. Yeah. So my buddy had a big basement in his house in Prosser, Washington. And, you know, we just were a bunch of buddies that we went out and I managed the band. They played a night, uh, you know, a concert that night before Easter. And we all came back to his house to go party afterwards. So we we're all drinking and, you know, we didn't have a, a lot of bedrooms, but he had a huge basement. So we were all just kind of passed out. On okay. The floor, right. Okay. okay. Um, and I'm an early riser. Even back then I was still kind of an early riser and I woke up at five o'clock in the morning. Everyone was still sleeping, but I felt in that, in my heart, in that moment, I was like, dude, I I'm done. 
Like this is not for me anymore. And I decided to give my life to Christ. I got out of the house. I got my car and drove back to Seattle where I lived. And, you know, uh, that was, that was that moment that I think God was really calming in to, to be in his hands. I had a pastor friend tell me one time that God kind of has us on puppet strings, right? And when we sin, he cuts the strings and he reties it. And we become a little bit closer to him. And it was like, mm. that string was finally in his hands. Like there was no string left. I was finally there in God's hands for me to take it, you know, take me away from that life. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's interesting because when we find that, uh, pull now for my listeners, this is not a, sh- a show on faith and all that, but the, but Eric is very deep in his faith. I'm very deep in my faith. And, you know, when, when we talk about parenting, a lot of it does come from our faith and, and the yeah. things that we believe in spiritually, whatever it is that you believe spiritually, whatever it is. Um, but when we talk about, you know, kind of feeling that, that tug to be closer to him, um, you know, at the same moment, the devil works in a way to try to pull you away. For sure. um, and, and he tries to sell you on things, whether psychologically, uh, even could be real tangible assets. He tries to sell you on things to pull you further away. Did you have any of those, those experiences? Because I'll tell you, uh, I, the reason I ask is because I too, at one point, I, I didn't quite have the path that you had, but I too, at one point had a problem with um, drinking mm-hmm. and I had come to, uh, I made a decision in my life because I grew up in an alcoholic family. I didn't want, I saw myself going down that same road of raising my two boys in an alcoholic family. I found myself, you know, I'd be sitting on the couch or sitting in my chair watching TV and I'd tell them to go to the fridge and get me a beer. And Mm -hmm. those kind of moments kind of woke me up and said, what the heck are you doing? And so I made a decision to just stop cold turkey. Now, Mm -hmm. people that have an addiction problem, uh, it's been proven that people that have an addiction problem really have a hard time with stopping cold turkey. They yeah. say that you really, you should try to do a gradual uh, step and also uh, get into some meetings and things like that and get around a support group. Totally. Um, but I didn't, I, I, I just stopped cold turkey and I haven't looked back and I just celebrated this last week. I just celebrated 12 years. So Come on. Um, I haven't looked back. So uh, the reason I, I share all that and the reason I asked that original question is what moment, because I know there's a moment, I know there's times in there where the devil was pulling on you to pull you back away. Did you yeah. have that experience? And can you share any of that with me? You know, I think there was moments where, you know, basically what I, what I first had to do was I had to take myself out of that environment, right? I had to get into an environment where mm-hmm. I knew that I would be safe mentally and wouldn't have that draw towards alcohol or party. And so I called my buddies up when I got home and I said, look, guys, I got to get healthy. I got to take a break from managing the band. I got to take a break from going to the bars. And I took like six months where I wasn't calling anybody. I wasn't going to the bar. And you know what? Those guys are still my friends today. They said, man, you got to get healthy. You got to do what you got to do. And what I did was I replaced that party in time with spending time with guys that were successful in business, successful in their marriage, successful in their walks with Christ. And I started like interviewing them almost, taking them to coffee and going, man, tell me your story. How do I get there? Right. And so I really deep dove really far into as much as I could sponge up immediately I was doing that. And there has been times throughout the years where I get frustrated where, you know, I lost a job or I got fired from a job or man, we had to file, you know, we had to short sell our home, you know, like those moments draw me back to like Mm -hmm. these, my, these thoughts in my head going, man, you're a loser. Like, remember that past, remember that thing that you, you did as a kid, or remember that, that thing that you had to do that caused you to drink you're in that same situation. Now you need to go get a drink. Like I've had those thoughts over the years and it's been tough sometimes to really go, man, 
I, I'm going to not listen to that voice. And I know that God's got a different plan for me. And like I said, I had to remove myself from that environment. So when I get those thoughts, I immediately go to prayer. I immediately start reading a book or immediately call my buddy and go, man, let, let me just tell you what's going on right now in my head. And I love the, the circle that I've got of great friends that can lift me up in that. Mm, I love that. And I love that you shared that, you know, those moments do happen, especially yep. with, you know, uh, people that do have addiction problems, those moments are going to happen. And yeah. the same thing for me, I, yeah, I'll, I'll be honest, when I used to um, drink a lot, I was uh, at, you'd be barbecuing, you know, I'd be barbecuing for the family. Now oh. I was what they call a functionally alcoholic. I could do everything I was doing and I was fine, but I, I, I love to barbecue and have a beer and yeah you know, it took a lot out of me to go out and, and barbecue for the family and not drink. That mm. was crazy. It was so hard to break that habit. Um, and just get out of that, you know, mentally just be like, okay, I got, this is not, I'm not, not going to go down this road. I, this is, you know, so, and then I find, you know, social gatherings, especially in the summertime, just everybody sitting around a pool or whatever, having a beer and I yeah. can't, you know, yeah. and I, I say I can't because I know that that's not the path that I want, but mm. I know that that's not what I should be doing. So I would have to, I would have to keep reminding myself that I'm doing this for me and for my family. And I kept having to remind myself of that until I finally broke that, got through that kind of those little ruts. Um, I do, I do get them. I mean, they're very seldom now because sure. it's been so long, but I do get them from time to time. And, and I don't think much of them now. There's, uh, yeah. I mean, there's, it's, I'm so used to them that I just, I, you know, I get that thought and I go, yeah, whatever, you know, yeah. move on. So, yeah. um, so very cool. Well, listen, I want to ask you this because, um, you know, this is a, this is a podcast about parenting and, you know, we've, we've kind of taken a deep dive into your past. Yeah. Um, but you know what, your path has led you to where you are today and you're uh, successful in your business. You and your wife have a successful relationship, successful in your faith and you're a successful father. Um, you got two, you know, I say younger kids, but you, you've got an 11 year old. So yeah. Um, you got kids get, that are starting to get up there. What, yep. what does fatherhood mean to you? Man, for me, it's about just keeping that relationship open with my kids at all times and, and really starting to change the legacy for my kids. Like mm. the, the environment that I grew up in, the environment that my wife grew up in, is definitely not something that we wanted to put in with our kids. So we work really hard to make sure that we're very close with our kids. We work very hard to make sure that they are walking in the right steps, that they're polite, that they say, they say hello, that they're, they're caring for people. And so it's really spending a lot of time with our kids in those environments and having those conversations or, uh, uh, with them that are like age appropriate, but like making sure that they know what we should be doing when in certain situations or, Hey, this person, go find that kid that's at school and sitting by himself, go say hello, go right. introduce yourself. Right. And they see my wife and I argue, they see us make up, they see us kiss in the kitchen, they see us dance in the kitchen, they go, ooh, but they know that whatever we're doing, if we have a fight or we're arguing about something that we are going to make up, we're going to bring it back to, to the situation that we need to be in, right? And so we made a commitment from day one when we said, I do, that we'll never get a divorce. And that is something that will still hold true for legacies or for our entire marriage, we will stay together. And yeah, there's been good years, have been great years, have been not so good years, right? Like being married for almost 17 years, you're not going to always be on the same page. And our kids have seen that up and down, up and down, but they've also seen us 
come together and pray and spend time with the Lord and spend time with them and just making these really cool memories that doesn't have to be on a screen all day, right? Like they don't, we don't have to go out and do something just extravagant all the time. If we're together and we're going to a park, man, that's just trying to make memories with our kids is huge. Yeah. I love that. And, you know, you're right. Um, Spending as much time as you can, you know, everybody talks about it being a parent, but they really don't understand what that, I mean, when you say I'm, I'm spending as much time with my kids as I, as possible. Are you really though? Are you really spending enough time with your kids? Uh, Mm -hmm. And when you're spending that time, is it really the intentional time that you mean? Mm -hmm. Are you on your phone while you're with them? Are you doing, are you, is your mind, are you stressed about other things? Your mind kind of off in the distance, but you're, you're physically there. I mean, those kind of things they really have to think about as a parent. But I think for you guys, you guys seem to have it down. And now these are going to be some challenging years. You're coming up into the teenage years. You're going to have some challenging moments. Yep. And it's really important. I try to teach or talk to my dads and teach my dads that, that, that talk to me or ask me questions is that, look, when these kids are younger, that's when you really build the bond because when they start to hit those teenage years, they don't want to hang out with you anymore. They want to go try to be independent. They're trying to get their, their, that independence is coming out of them and they're trying to go off and do their own thing. And the last person they want to hang out with, unfortunately, is mom and dad. Right. But, but if you have the bond and the relationship that you have with your kids when they're younger, that will carry into their teenage years and you'll still be able to have those communicate, those conversations with them. Uh, that are critical and that are important because they are going to face a lot of challenges as teenagers. Um, I think back with my boys and just all the different times, communication between conversations and the moments, the memories that we made as a family and as my role as a dad with them. Um, mm. I, I consider them two of my best friends um, and they're both adults now, uh, but I consider them two of my best friends. And uh, it's just because of the time that I spent with them. Yes. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. Listen, I'm not a, I'm not a professional psychologist. I consider myself a professional dad. And I'll tell you that the time that you spend with your kids, as long as you dedicate that time to them and nothing mm. else, um, it's, it's life-changing and everlasting. Yes. It's so huge. And, and even for me, like I, you have to set boundaries. So, you know, I get up at 4am six days a week to work on my podcast stuff. And then I work a full-time job and then come five o'clock, that's when I really try to shut everything down. And I do a pretty good job most days of, hey, turning off the phone and really just being present with my kids. Because I think that's so important. Like you said, you can't have your phone out in front of you and being distracted, be present with them. And there are times when I'm like, oh, crap, you know, the boss man's calling or whatnot, and I got to go jump up. But most of the time, I'm able to just shut everything down and just focus on being with my family and really trying to just build those memories on a daily basis. Like they're in school most of the days and I'm only getting two, maybe three hours with them at the end of the night before it's bedtime. And so I got to really make sure that those hours are very good time, uh, good hours with them, you know? Yeah. You know, and I'm glad that you talked about that because uh, I call it scheduling your time. Uh, And we talk about scheduling our time for everything. And I've talked about this uh, countless times on my show and in interviews that I've done um, on shows that I've been on, but scheduling our time with our family is so important. And and as much as you might think scheduling our time with our family doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it does. It really does. Because listen, things come up, things get in the way, but if you don't have your family on your schedule, they're going to get pushed to the back burner and you you just can't have that. Um, For me, you know, as a high school basketball coach, um, my boys are out of high school, but I still coach because I love it. Right. Mm -hmm. But 
my younger son is a basketball player in college. And last year with pandemic, they didn't have a season, but this year they do. And even though I still coach high school basketball, I just had a conversation with, um, I'm the associate head coach. And then there's a head coach. I had a conversation with the head coach just the other night. And I said, Hey, just so you know, uh, Brett's schedule, uh, may, there may be a few times that it's going to conflict with our games. I'm, I'm going to be there for Brett. And he goes, coach, by all means. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Totally get it. Because that's how, that's how dedicated I am to him. He's my boy. I'm going to be there for him. Um, trust me, I'm going to be there for our basketball team as much as possible, but my family comes first, regardless. It doesn't matter if it's my job. It doesn't matter if my coaching, it doesn't matter what it is. My family comes first. So, um, very cool. Well, let me ask you this. Your kids play sports. They do. My son uh, is a baseball player. So he's been playing since, you know, early T-ball years. We, I have coached him the last four years. It's been awesome, awesome. to coach his team. Uh, my daughter's played soccer and basketball, and and now they're both in jujitsu. So they they oh, love cool. jujitsu and, and learning that side of stuff. But you know, like you said, you know, missing those games. For me, I always said I never wanted to miss my kids' games. And I worked for a company one time that sent me away for two weeks for a, a business trip, and I missed three of my son's baseball games. Being the coach, mm. and it was like a punch to the gut, and I made a. a, a a a statement in that moment. And I told my boss, I'm like, look, I will never miss another one of my kids games or an event at their school because of work. Just so you know, I will never do that again. And I never have. And I've been very clear with employers and very clear with the boss, man. Like, Hey, my family will always come first. I'll always take them over going to a scheduled appointment or something like that. I will schedule the appointments around my family. Mm, I love that. Um, I have done the same thing. I'm glad that you did that. Um, because, uh, for me, I coached my boys as they grew up and there was obviously, listen, I know parents have, have a situation. They may not be able to be at every single event of their kids. Mm. Um, but for me personally, because of the, um, lack of involvement that I had with my own parents, I didn't want to be that way with my kids. So, um, I was like you, I told my job, my, my company that I worked for, I said, listen, I'm going to give you everything I got. But when these games come up or practices come up that I have to be there, I'm going to be there. And if my job didn't understand that, fortunately for me, they've understood it and I've had no problems and I've worked there for 24 years. So uh, it's been great. Um, But had they told me from day one, that's not going to work for us. I would have left. I would have went and did something else. That's how important it was to me. So I'm glad that you did that. Yeah. Don't miss those games because, uh, as, as tough as it may be to get to every single one, um, the memories that, listen, your kids out on that field, he don't care about anybody else in those stands, but you and your wife, that's it. Yep. Yep. That's all he cares about. He don't care about all the knuckleheads that are out of those stands, except for you guys. So yeah. even if it's just one of you there, that means the world to him. Cause I can mm. remember as a player playing and my parents not being there and seeing all my other friends, parents there. And, and I can still, I still can um, picture the feelings that I had at yeah. those moments. And knowing that the players that I coach now and knowing, I don't even know some of the parents of some of my players, Mm. never seen them before. And I know what that feels like, even though they say they don't care they do, they care. Um, So make sure you continue to do that's awesome. I'm glad Mm. that you're doing that. Um, Well, let me ask you this. Um, If I were to ask your kids, uh, tell me something about, or let me, let me, let me restate that. If I were to ask your kids to tell me something about you, what would you hope that they would say about you? I would hope that they would say that I'm a loving dad and, you know, who loves his wife and loves them. But I would also hope that they would say that I've always been there for them. You know, like whatever is going through 
grades, sports, whatever, I've never missed anything except for those games that I missed on that one time. And I would hope that they would say that I'm a fighter. And I don't mean that physically. I mean, I'm always fighting for our family. So whatever it takes, you know, if I lost my job, I, in fact, I did, I got laid off when my wife was six months pregnant with my, my daughter. Mm. And I was like, I just lost my job. I have a $2,400 a month mortgage payment. I got to figure it out. And I went to work for six months and I was splitting five hours of sleep just so I could pay that mortgage payment and put food on the table. And so I hope that they would say that, man, dad, dad works hard to put food on the table. And he's such a fighter for our family because I'll always stand up to them. And, and I've had to have those situations with my family and my in-laws to go, my family comes first. You guys don't just so you know, you know? Yeah, no, that's cool. Um, well, one last question, uh, and then I'll let you go. Um, what, if, if I were to ask you to tell me something about, uh, or what could you tell new dads or soon to be new dads? What advice would you give them on parenting? I would say soak up every moment that you can with them. Right. Right. I mean, it goes by so fast. And I didn't think that as the early dad either, you know, yeah. uh, but I also think like we have to kind of have patience, right? Like there's going to be days that's going to be frustrating and they're not going to, they might talk back or they might say something. You're like, we don't want to say that. Right. Or, but I would say soak up every moment and just be present and put away that technology and, and protect your family. You know, yeah. for me, the, the first drive home for the hospital for, with my daughter, like me being brand new dad was the scariest drive in the world. Like, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm driving this car. I've got a newborn baby in the back. My wife's with him, uh, w- with her. And literally I live three miles from the hospital, but I'm driving home. One guy cuts, jumps a curb and almost hits my car with my daughter, like two miles away. And then another mile down the road, a motorcycle zips past me and wipes out and skids like a hundred miles down the street. I'm like, what is going on? I need to get home. Like I was so freaked out. Like, you know, just always protect your family is all I can say. Like be present and always protect your family. (laughs) Wow. Um, Yeah. Wow. Those are crazy stories. Um, Yeah. No, you're right. It does go by fast. And it's so interesting for us as dads. It's you can never explain what it's like to be a dad to someone who's not a dad. Right. You just can't explain it. Um, they don't understand it. They would never comprehend it. Um, mm-hmm. But I tell parents all the time, the same thing, just soak up every moment because it goes by so fast. And it's so yeah. true because I mean, even for you, I mean, you're, you're getting to a point where in a few years um, you're going to ha- you're going to hit those high school years and you will never believe how fast the four years of high school go. I mean, right. it just, boom, they're done and over with. I mean, yeah. I can remember when my older son was going to high school and now he's already through college. He's already done with college. So it's just, it goes by so quick. So yeah, soak up every moment. You're absolutely right. Yeah. But listen, Eric, it has been uh, an honor, a pleasure to have you on. I'm so glad we've gotten to know each other, become friends yeah. over the last few months. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing what uh, what's new with you coming up and uh, just looking forward to continue our friendship. Thank you again for being on, man. Oh, absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity. And, and like I said, man, truly an honor to be here. Really appreciate it. Awesome. Listen, everybody, it's been another episode of Dad Up. Thank you guys very much for joining. Make sure you guys subscribe, leave a rating, and um, I'll be making sure to check you guys out on the next episode of Dad Up. Thanks for listening to the Dad Up podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next weekly episode. While you're at it, leave a rating and review. And if you know someone this show can help, be sure to share it with them. Want to learn more? Check out the website at dadup.com tribe.com or leave Brian a message on Instagram at 
Dad Up Podcast.